God. It works. Amen. You get you God's kingdom is about people, right? His kingdom is about people. But today in our series leading up to Easter is about God's passion which is the cross because of what the cross represents. God's passion is the cross because of what the cross represents. God's passion isn't the cross because it just sounds like a good thing, or it looks like a good thing, or because of the pictures that we've seen of Jesus nailed to the cross. His passion is the cross because of what the cross produced for you and I. That's what we're talking about. And today, I want to I, I look at a few things. I want to I look at a passage that we went over last week in Romans. It was the last scripture that we read last week was in Romans 5. I want to look at that real quickly. God's passion is the cross. And my subtitle last week and this week also is the message of the cross. And, and I, I like the way that it's worded here in um, Romans chapter 5. He said, um, he said, for as, actually just in verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. The one man who was disobedient was Adam, and that had to do with the tree. I mentioned to you last week in, um, in our little... Um, design up here. Do you, do you have that that we had last week with the two trees or you have something different up there? Anyway, last week on the screen were, were the two trees. And, and, and I mentioned to you that what we're talking about is from tree to tree. And, and the one man that disobeyed, disobeyed some information about a tree. And it was in the Garden of Eden. And God said, Everything here is yours. Every tree, everything is yours. Just don't mess with the tree. That tree right there, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you don't need that. And he disobeyed, and it affected all of mankind for 4,000 years. But the moment he disobeyed, what engaged was God's passion for mankind, and it was the next tree. The first tree represented disobedience. The second tree, which we call the cross, was the result of another man's obedience. In, um, <clears throat> in Luke chapter 22, look at that real quick. Luke 22. And verse 42, Jesus said this in the Garden of Gethsemane. First tree was in the Garden of Eden. Now we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what he does is he chooses the second tree. Father, if it is, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours alone. He chose not what he wanted, 
Because in the garden, he began to, as you read on in that passage, he began to, to sweat drops of blood. No one has ever sweated drops of blood the way Jesus sweated drops of blood. He began to take on himself the sins, the sicknesses, all destruction, everything that is evil, he took on himself for mankind. In other words, he paid the price for the one man's disobedience by obeying to do what the father said. What Adam didn't do, when father said, don't mess with that tree, and he did, he disobeyed what the father's will was. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus began to experience what it was going to be like to take the sins of all mankind upon himself, Jesus said, in essence, Father, I choose you. I choose your will. And there's something about that picture right there that to the world is foolishness. It's foolishness. The cross of Jesus Christ is foolishness, the Scripture says, to people that don't understand what the cross represents. The rest of our time this morning, we're going to look at that, we're going to define it, we're going to, we're going to really actually paint a picture of what the cross is for us today. It's not just a story, it's not just a picture, it's not just, you know, some understanding that we have every time that Easter comes along. Easter is every day of your life. Amen? Because of what Easter represents. It's not just that, because the Bible is actually very clear what it is and what it truly represents. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1, I want to read a, two verses here, verse 1 and 2. I want to read it in the New King James. Um, many of you know this passage. Some of you may not, but many of you know this passage, and you'll know it when I read it. But then I want to kind of define it, and, and I want to give you two things today that I believe the cross represents. But I want to read it in the message secondly. So first, let's read it in the New King James. 1 Corinthians 2.1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In, in the Message Bible, it, it says it like this. You'll remember, friends, that when I came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches, and the latest philosophy, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. i read that again. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who He is. And second, Jesus and what He did. That's Jesus crucified. First, Jesus and who He is. Secondly, Jesus and what He did. That is 
the simplicity of the cross. Who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished. When we think of His crucifixion, when we think of everything that He went through to come to the cross, they nailed Him. He breathed His last breath on the second tree. And the words, we read them last week, the words were, it was finished. He breathed his last, and it was finished right then. He said, it's done, I'm finished. And what he accomplished for you and I, and what he gave us, was power to overcome anything, at any time, at any season in our life, he gave us the power to overcome any obstacle that we ever face. That's what He gave us. We read this last week, but I, I want to I read it again in 1 Corinthians 1. <clears throat> and verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now watch this next verse here. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The foolishness of the message is who Christ is and what He accomplished. I was in a... I, I, I spent about two and a half hours one time with... Uh, another, I don't know what you call them, a denomination or something. And um, I, was, I was a young Christian at the time, and these two guys were on bicycles and riding around and, and evangelizing everywhere. And they came to my door and they said, uh, they told me who they were and they talked about Jesus. And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And they kind of looked at me, you know, kind of stared at me for a moment. And I said, uh, I said, you want to talk about it? And they said, yeah. I said, so come on in. And so they came in and they sat down and we began to talk about him and, and everything that we talked about, we agreed on. And up to that point in my walk with God, I had heard from other Christians that these people were devils and demons and all kinds of stuff and stay away from them and all that. Well, I just wanted to meet these guys. They're two, two of the nicest guys I ever met in my life. And uh, we agreed on everything until, until we, we, we agreed about who Jesus was. We agreed, number one. But when we got to defining and explaining about what Jesus did, then there were some discrepancies. We didn't agree on everything, but we agreed to disagree and remained friends, or whatever. I mean, never saw them again, but you know what I'm saying. I didn't chase them out of my house yelling and screaming and praying in tongues over them or something. 
but they didn't understand what Jesus did. This verse of Scripture says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. What does that mean? If you're not born again, you can't know and understand, and and you're not able to fathom in your mind how, number one, a father would give his only son, and number two, that a son would die for people he doesn't even know. How many fathers I have in here today? How many in here you would sacrifice your child for somebody you don't even know? I mean, much less for somebody you know. No, 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 I'm telling you, this is a big deal. (laughs) This is a huge deal. I mean, you got to step back and you think, yeah, you know, but this is just God. No, 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 this isn't God. This isn't just God. This is God, and it's the way He set it up. So, God goes for 4,000 years from the moment that Adam disobeyed in the garden, His passion was for the next tree. He set it all up. Actually, it was already set up before the foundation of the world. The Bible says so. We've talked about that a number of times in series that we've done. God, I, I don't know how, but the Bible says God already had redemption for mankind set up before Adam and Eve. And what He had set up was His passion. I want man, I love mankind more than any human being can understand. That's why the love of God, which God is, and other types of love don't even mix and match. Because God's love, the natural mind can't understand, it's foolishness. But to those of us who are being saved, those of us who are born again and are renewing their mind with the truth of how God thinks and how He operates, to us, it's the power of God. What is? What is the power of God? What is it that my mind is being renewed to that is the power for me on a day-to-day basis? Because God's power is available to us if we receive it day-to-day. What is that power? It's the daily taking up the cross that He bore and being willing to sacrifice for the good of mankind any and everywhere and no matter what happens and no matter what situations that we face, that I'm willing to live my life empowered by the one who ultimately submitted to the will of God and sacrificed his life. He chose that for me. He saw me when he chose to take the cup and do what he did. And now on a day-to-day basis, the thing that is foolish to most people is, why would I think about other people? Why would I consider someone else? I'm here to take care of myself. I'm here to be about me and me alone. 
I'm here to be about my four and no more, my home, and, and, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a family man, and I'm just about my own family, and I'm about my own family, and you want to be about your own family. But there's something beyond that that we have to understand, and the only way you can understand that is if you're steadily and daily renewing your mind to the truth, because those who are being saved, the picture of the cross is power. The being saved statement is not being born again every day. If you're born again spiritually, you were born again one time, then you're born again. If you asked Jesus, if you made a confession and you believed in your heart, then you're born again. You repented for your past, you're born again. You're not, you're not going to get born again in, anymore. If you don't understand that, you may make another confession. But the being saved is your thinking, your soul, your mind. And as that's being renewed all the time, then what's happening is I become empowered because I learn what it means to lay my life down every day. First and foremost, the people closest to you. I'm learning all the time from God how to lay my life down for my wife. I learn about that all the time, what that looks like. It doesn't matter what she does. What I'm required to do is what he told me to do for my wife. How I lay my life down for my, for my daughters and for, for, my, uh, for my mother-in-law and for my father who is alive and for, for my siblings and for people that are closest to me and on and on. How I lay my life down for this church body and the people connected here. I lay my life down for other people in the body of Christ that I'm con- connected to. The more I renew my mind, the more I learn how to sacrifice and lay my life down. He did that ultimately, not so we could just talk about him forever and ever and ever. Yeah, we'll talk about him because of what his ultimate sacrifice accomplished. But he wants us to take his example and learn to take up that cross daily and follow after him and do it his way. To walk in the love of God, not in the selfishness of mankind. To walk in the love of God, not the fear of the enemy. To walk in the love of God and not the hate and the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness and all the things that are out there. I mean, it, I mean, that's easy to attach to those kind of things. I know. I've attached to all of them at different times. I've, I'm unattached today. I choose to not take anything that is not of God. How about you? Did I say I don't battle with that? I mean, I battle with it every single day. There's something that rises up every single day. But when I realize the message of the cross, and I realize that that's God's passion for me to understand that, He wants me to know how much He loved me, because when I know how much God loves me, then I'll love other people with the love that He loved me with. And that's what the cross is. It's what it represents. The cross represents the passion that God had for me before Adam and Eve, the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and the moment that they said on the second tree, it was said, it's finished. What the enemy thought was going to destroy God or Jesus, I mean in his idiotic brain and mind, He thought he was destroying God. He just empowered 
not only God, but he empowered all of mankind. We got back what he ripped us off from in the garden. Can you say amen to that? That's the message of the cross. It is the power of God to those who are being saved. It's foolishness if you're not renewing. It's foolishness to Christian people that are not renewing their mind. Why would I do that for, for that person? They treated me ugly. They said something ugly to me. I, I, I give them a piece of my mind. Foolishness, it's foolishness to do things and to act like Jesus in a God-forsaken world. A world that has been forsaken of God. But we're changing that. When you, when you hand one of these cards to somebody, because what you're looking for is unchurched people. That's what you're looking for. Maybe somebody has been burned by church or whatever, but you're, you're not looking for people that are planted in the church. You're looking for people that are unchurched. It's amazing just taking one of these cards and just seeing. Let me ask you this question. How many are intimidated to pass one of these out? I mean, truthfully. Come on. Okay, good. I got one honest one. Two, three. Come on. Somebody else tell me. Come on, put your hand up. Yeah. Okay, so just take one. And uh, go drive around the whole town. No. <laughs> I mean... And, and go and just, you know, I, I don't know, just, just say, hey, you, know, you, you might even say to them, you know what, I don't like doing things like this, but I just feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. And if you don't go to church, uh, we have an Easter service. That's it. Nothing. I mean, just to be honest with them, tell them you, you're having trouble. They'll, they'll think, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like to do that either. <laughs> but there's something you're breaking down because you're learning to connect in a way that's going to empower not just you, but other people. Anyway. So, Hebrews chapter 12, and I want, to, I want to read a few verses here. And I want to really prove my point. <clears throat> the point that I'm, that, that I'm making about the message of the cross. I want you to get this thing. It's, it's so deep in me. I, I, I mean, I, I have so much in me about this, about the message that, that the cross is. That, um, and, 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 the, and actually, the New Testament, actually the whole Bible is full of it. In Hebrews 12 and verse 1, it says in the New King James, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. 
And the way you become weary and discouraged in your soul is not renewing your mind to His way of doing. He, with joy, endured the cross. Everybody say endured. There's a lot of endurance to get through and work through and come through difficult situations and times. It, it, it takes a lot. There are things that you and I face every day that at times frustrate us, want to pull us down, cause us to be weary and frustrated. I mean, we live in a society where the suicide rate is, I mean, through the roof. I'm not talking about what statistics say. If they know what they're talking about and, and what you see all over the place, people taking their lives, blowing their brains out, doing all kinds of things to themselves. Why? No hope. Why? Because they don't understand the message of the cross. The message of the cross is the power to deal with the weariness and the heaviness and the loads of things that we face day to day. The message of the cross is a picture of somebody that didn't think of themselves, they thought of everybody else. And that's what we're to learn to do every day. To not think of ourselves, but to think about other people and learn to lay our lives down for other people. That's where the empowerment, that's where the joy comes from. In the video last week, when you saw Jesus in the, in the Passion of the Christ, when you saw Jesus put His foot on the neck of the snake, from then on, it was joy. Why? He made a decision. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Done. Less than 24 hours, he's nailed and breathed his last. In less than 24 hours. Because of the decision that he made. And in those, in those 17, 18, 19, 20 hours, in that period of time, there was joy in his heart. That's what this scripture says right here. With joy he endured the cross. And what was his joy? He saw my beautiful face and your beautiful face. He saw all of humanity. I don't know how, but he did. He saw us and he said, I choose them, not me. Man, I choose them, not me. So think about that every day when there's an opportunity to choose someone else and not you. In little things, in the little things of life. In the little things. If you're going to go somewhere, you're on a date with a girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse. And you want to go get something, you want to go have some ice cream. And that's not what they want to do. And man, your jaws are just like salivating. You're just thinking about that ice cream. You can envision that chocolate and almond ice cream. I can envision, I can taste it already. And they want to go get a piece of chocolate cake somewhere. And you don't even like chocolate. I mean, I'm talking about the little things. The little 
potential insignificant things that when you begin to be sensitive and lay your life down for other people and do things that they like and not just you, what happens is you empower yourself and you realize you have the power to set the tone in everything you do, everywhere you go, in your home, in business, everywhere, you have the ability to set the tone because you choose to do what God says in a situation. I'm not talking about just always, well, you know, you, uh, you always have to, you know, if you're going to serve God, you have to give up and, and you have to let people walk all over you. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. The Bible says the meek will inherit the earth, but the meek are not the weak. The meek are the ones that choose to do what is right in a given situation, even when the natural mind in the world says that's idiotic. That's what that whole passage is talking about. That's what this message of the cross is truly all about, to empower us to do what's right in every given situation. And Jesus is our perfect example. I like the way it says that in that fourth verse. For consider him in everything you do, in other words, consider him who endured such hostility against people that didn't believe in him, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. That's the message of the cross. The rest of that there says, you've not resisted to, to bloodshed striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor, dis, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked of Him. Because this whole message and the whole message of the cross is about you being able to receive correction and instruction from God Himself. That's the message of the cross. If somebody's always having to chase you down and tell you you did this wrong and you did this wrong and this is wrong and that's wrong and all, you know, and somebody's got to always watch over you, you'll never grow up. And you can have those kind of things, people speaking into your life, and everybody needs it. But ultimately, what the message of the cross is, is that we become people that when God needs to correct us, He can correct us. You know what? I don't want you doing that because that's going to hurt you, it'll destroy your life, and your end result is all this. You know what God wants more than you want it? God wants that at the end of your life, when you're gone from here, and you stand before Him face to face, that He wants you you and I to be able to hear these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He wants you and I to hear that more than he wants to say it. He wants you and I to hear those things. So when God brings correction in our life in how we handle and deal with people and, and things in life in general, when God brings correction and then instruction in how to do God never brings correction without instruction. If God brings a correction, then He shows you how to do it. And God wants you to be renewing your mind daily to the point that the Word is alive and well inside of you to where it is instructing you, correcting you, and you are embracing that and making that a part of your life. To me, that's the message of the cross. That's what we're talking about today. Can you say amen? <clears throat> In Galatians chapter 2, 
Galatians chapter 2. I want to start reading with verse 19, and then and I want to read it in the New King James, then I want to read it in the message also. Paul says this, For I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul said this. God didn't say this about Paul. Paul said this about himself. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and He gave Himself for me. How, 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 can he, how can he say that about himself? I've been crucified with Christ. You know how? You know, you know how you do that? Because when, 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 when I want to eat the chocolate and almond ice cream and my wife wants to go get a piece of chocolate cake, and I don't make a big deal about it. I even, you, you, can, you don't have to lie about it, but you can even act like you like the chocolate cake. This is just an example of something little bitty and small. And I say to her, knowing I want the chocolate almond ice cream, knowing that we're going to go have a, on a date have a piece of cake, knowing we're going to do that because it's my choice, I can say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I eat chocolate almond ice cream. You know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to get you to laugh. You look really, look really serious looking at me today. But that's how Paul can say it. I chose her over what I want. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. What does that mean? That means that, I mean, do you think that Christ is going to tell you to live a life where you're absolutely miserable? I think a lot of people think so. That's why I think people hold on to parts of their life where they're in control because if they let God be in control in a certain area, in other words, where he's directing them how to live their life, then they're going to have to give some stuff up. I promise you, anything you give up, it'll only be for your good. And God will never force anything on you that you don't choose to do. He'll give you instruction, but you don't have to do it. He gave Adam instruction, but Adam listened to his wife He's standing there as he knows they're not supposed to eat the fruit, and she eats the fruit. And then when God comes around looking for him, he blames her. The blame game been going on ever since. That's where you know you haven't been crucified with Christ. When I'm 
renewing my mind when I'm realizing things in God's Word, when I'm realizing how to love and how not to just think about myself, when I'm realizing that that's that crucifixion that I'm living in. That's what He paid for for us. That when we become weary, when we become discouraged, when we feel like we can't overcome in certain situations, He is our strength. And when we draw from Him, and we draw from the message, the true message of the cross, then all of a sudden, in in an instant, you can go from having no power to having power to overcome by just choosing. And I know it. I know that for a fact because I've been there many, many, many times. Then he said, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now I want to read this in the message. What actually, verse 19 in the message, in in Galatians 2, what actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God. And it didn't work. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. No more Matt Dillon. Half of you know who that is. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with Him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is Live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. That's how we're to live our lives with other people. And God wants you to work that out and understand what that means to you on a day-to-day basis. I'm not going to go back on that. It's not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God. I refuse to do that. I refuse to do that. To repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. If a living relationship with God could come by just keeping the rules, then about a third of the people would do it and the other two-thirds wouldn't. But that's not where relationship comes from. Relationship with God comes from knowing who Jesus is and what He did for us. Listen, what we're talking about today is really, really, really simple. The message of the cross who he is and what he did.
And what he did was to empower me to take up that cross and do the same kind of thing in laying my life down for other people. Listen to me. You don't have to lay your life down for sickness and disease, for poverty, for oppression, for fear, for any of those kind of things. He laid it down to liberate all of us. Now we have a whole generation of people starting with us. We have a whole world of people starting with us individually that have to be saved daily, have their minds renewed on a day-to-day basis. And one way that will really help people to grow quicker, to understand God in a greater way, is when you and I choose to take up that cross daily and lay our lives down for the good of other people. That's where, that is where the power begins to be seen in everything that goes on in our lives. God wants you and I to be those examples that are setting the tone in any and everything, every, every group of people. Everybody in here wears different hats. I, I, I wear a husband hat and a I wear a father hat and a sibling hat and a son hat and a, and a, and a pastor hat and a this hat and a that hat and a director hat. and a, I mean, I wear a lot of different hats. But in all those areas and those groups of people that I'm in, God has empowered me to set the tone, not by being in control, not by controlling every little thing that goes on, but learning how to lay my life down the way He did. And the more I study things like this and I meditate on things like this, I learn what that really looks like. Not living my life for me, living my life for Him. I'm going to know who He is in a greater way every day. I'm going to know what He did for me every day so I can take what He did and implement that in the lives of other people. That's the message of the cross. Can you say amen today?